ice water in his veins. I couldn't think of a better place to end the street than Death Valley, South Carolina, baby. Guys going down, guys stepping up. That's what football is all about. And they say we can't do it. What they say now. Welcome back to the Clemson Podcast. Quick shout out to a former Clemson quarterback who shut out the haters, buckled down, transferred, and is living up to that recruitment hype. Tyson Pumachon. The ACC is rumored to be adding SMU, Cal, and Stanford this week in conference realignment expansion. Not stopping there, they're having conversations with Team Rough and Team Fluff to bring in that sweet puppy bull moolah. College football is back and life is good. Welcome back to the Clemson Podcast, everyone. I'm your host, Nick, joined tonight by Ben and Jarrett. We are the Clemson Podcast. This is our 2023 Clemson Football Preview episode. And guys, before we get started here, we've got a lot to cover tonight. So excited. We're going to have Clemson football back on the West Coast. Clemson's 1-0 playing in the Pacific time zone. We also won a natty during that game. Uh, Road games out here in the Bay. Everyone's invited. Let's go. Let's go. I don't think we're going to be around in the ACC to see that happen. (laughs) Big prediction. Bold prediction. You heard it here first. So when – what was our board of trustees, president or president of the – whoever came out this past week and said we're not going to hold up uh, the vote or keep the ACC from bringing in additional revenue – I think the teams cave to the the demands of the the larger schools, Florida State, Clemson, North Carolina, North Carolina State, and giving up a lot of that revenue. But when I read between the lines of what the Clemson statement was, it said to me, sure, we don't care. Bring them in because we're gone. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised to see that announcement come out um, this season sometime during the season. Maybe it happens after the season, but – you know, as the ACC expansion thing has continued to to drag on here leading up to the first week of college football. Um, that's just my guess. I don't I don't think we're hanging around. Jarrett, what do you got? Expanding the ACC across multiple more time zones. Sure, I'd love to be able to drive down to Palo Alto and watch Clemson absolutely murder Sanford in front of their dozens of fans, but it doesn't make sense. And I think they're kind of letting their foot off the gas and they're just going to let um, let them join and they're, they're bouncing. I, I fully agree with Ben. Well, and we're skipping two time zones in the middle. It's not like we like crept across the country. Well, I guess adding SMU brings in you the central time zone. Um, anyways, it's all idiotic. What it is, it's a play yeah, by the silly. Brett McMurphy came out tonight and mentioned as much that um, the ACC is essentially hedging their bets for when Clemson and Florida State leave so they don't drop below 15 teams or whatever because if they drop below 15 teams, then ESPN can then renegotiate the deal that they made that led to the grant of rights. Um, so it's, mm-hmm. a, it, it's a hedge move by the ACC, I think, knowing full well that Clemson and Florida State are bolting and the writing's on the wall. So where do you guys think they're going to go? Like what league is going to open up? 
then invite, let's say, Clemson, Florida State? And then do you think UNC and NC State have any prayer of getting out with them? I don't care about any school from North Carolina, so let's not talk about them. Um, Clemson and Florida State, it makes more sense to me that they would join the Big Ten from a Big Ten perspective. Um, Clemson and Florida State doesn't bring new media coverage or, or regions to the conference. Uh, whereas the big 10, that would be them getting into the South. Um, they bring in two more, you know, college football blue bloods. So that's where I'm kind of leaning right now. But again, at the end of the day, and in, in the same way I've been throughout this whole off season after these last couple of years and last couple of times of all the conference realignment talks, I just don't care anymore. Like I'm not following it. I know it's going to change. I know the playoff is going to expand and that's going to lead to a completely different uh, college football landscape. And this, all of this just kind of feels like filler here. To this is all. Yeah, I agree. Like, later, we're we're in the middle of a chaos, a chaos phase in sport where this is ultimately leading to, which is probably going to be like seven, eight years down the road is that it goes to, it separates out from, you know, the NCAA and the traditional like collegiate athletics model and goes to more of like an NFL light model. And you're probably going to see that coincide with pay the players, not NIL money, but literally a salary. And, um, you know, at that point, I think it'll be, you won't see Vanderbilt and Illinois and, you know, uh, South Carolina probably uh, <laughs> make that upper division. Sorry, Gamecock fans that are hating listening to this show, Cody. But, uh, you know, other than that, what? like, no, uh, shout out to Cody. Got him. Wish, we, wish he was here. Got him. Um, yep. but no, I, I think it's going to be, you know, the, the next few years is just going to be chaos. And if in that time, and again, I, it's tongue in cheek that we want to see Clemson play out here in California, but it's going to be wild. What the unfortunate part about this are the other sports that then have to foot the bill, mm-hmm. you know, go out there on weeknights to the West coast or to Texas when they're used to going up the, up the coast. Um, well, it's not I great. Think- I think the understanding is, is that Cal and Stanford, their, their other sports, other Olympic sports would remain in whatever conference still exists out here, whether they go to the Mountain West or um, whatever. But I don't, I don't think they're sending their softball team or, or vice versa across the country to play. Like, it just makes zero financial sense um, for, for those teams. So. Yeah, again, I think this is this is just a transition period. It's been chaos in college football for the last couple of years. The NCAA, we've harped on it, is clearly in an inept, um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, organization body, body yeah. organization that's in control right now. And then, um, it's only a matter of time before they're gone. Uh, I think they'll remain in control um, as the administrators of all the other sports. But football is going to break off and be its own thing, like you said, Tully. And listen, it's just, it's changing. It's going to look different. It's going to be different than, than how we grew up watching it and how we love watching it. It always is. Um, but, you know, now we're just sounding like old men being like, back in my day, things used to be better. You know, it's just changing. And yeah, college football in our kind of heyday, you know, when we were in college into the 2000s and into the teens was a lot different than what our, you know, our parents grew up watching right mm-hmm. back in the eighties the or seventies or however old they are. Um, Who knows? So we're just going through the motions there. Yes. It's changing. And yes, we're just naturally going to maybe not like it as much or not like that. They're not really student th- athletes anymore. They're paid professionals. 
but you know, we'll still get to see that orange run out on the field every Saturday. And, you know, as long as it's entertaining, as long as I get to hang out with my, my fellow Clemson friends and watch it, I'm going to keep following college football. True. There's a, so much is changing right now. And I think the only thing we can do is kind of wonder what's next, but then I think you're right. I think it's uh, in a couple of years, it's just going to be either a semi-pro model or there's just going to be like three mega conferences and like a sweet 16 type of playoff. And most games won't mean that much because you can do enough to get into the bottom four of the 16 and then, you know, find a way to, you know, come out and, and compete for a national championship. I think the big question for me is what happens when there's quote unquote more parity by having just a few, having fewer leagues um, and then not giving money to schools like Vanderbilt or uh, Rutgers or uh, South Carolina because they just suck. And I think that uh, what we'll find out is those schools are going to struggle and then it's just going to be more accumulation towards people at the top, the Bama, Georgia, Clemson, uh, Ohio State uh, people. Yeah, I mean, you well, there's a lot we can unpack here. I'm going to keep us moving because I'm sure there'll be an announcement soon and we will we will do that. And this is our season preview episode. So, um, well, the last thing I'll say, wrap it up, Ben. Say, yeah, it, it's all about the money. Follow the money. Wherever the money goes, that's where the sport's going to go. That's that's all it's about. It's about the networks. It's another reason why the Big Ten probably comes and gets Clemson and Florida State because, um, you know, the ES, ESPN and, and CBS have their deals with the SEC. So this is Fox being able to expand their network footprint for college football into the South. It's all about the money. It's all about the money. It's just now they're sharing it with the players or they will be. All right. Well, uh, that's the future. We're obviously focused on that, but um, we got a football season coming guys. So uh, we were recording this on a Monday a week from tonight. The last game of week one will be Clemson versus Duke. Uh, we likely won't do too much previewing of that specific game in this episode. Let's take a broader view and let's look out at the whole season, guys. Um, you know, Clemson, we can go through last year's performance. A uh, bit of an up and down year, certainly a bounce back over the 2021 season. Um, but still disappointing, I think, for, for the team and its goals, for how cer certain games wrapped up and played out. Um, I think the one word you could use to describe Clemson last year was inconsistent. And there was obviously a lot of transition that went on last year. You had two new coordinators. The staff was breaking in. Brandon Streeter, first time OC. Um, obviously, Wes Goodwin on the D.C. side as well. Um, consistent starter at quarterback, but throughout the roster, um, you know, a lot of question marks going into last year. And we saw just inconsistent play. Um, I think Clemson took care of business in some tough matchups, Florida State being the one that comes to mind right now. Um, and then obviously we won the ACC altogether, you know, that, that should count for something. We can't, can't, you know, take that away from the team. Um, but I think the goals are larger coming into this year and we will obviously touch on some of the changes. You, you all might've listened to our episodes um, previous to this, where we covered who departed. And then we did another one of, you know, who's joining the team this year, who's going to step into a playing role or a starting role. If you haven't listened to that, I encourage you to check it out on our feed. Um, but guys, you know, the big, big headlines coming into this year, uh, the big one, you know, that we, we did an emergency show on back, I think in January was OC, the arrival of OC Garrett Riley, um, coming in to replace the then fired Brandon Streeter, uh, who's now at Georgia. 
and you know what what all that entails. Um, we got a turnover at quarterback as well. DJ transferred, Kate Klubnik stepping up. So um, I think the big one just across the across the whole team, you know, that's the big change to expect coming into this year. Um, but we also had the return of some um, guys who definitely could have been drafted. You know, Tyler Davis, Ruka Roro. Um, we think Xavier Thomas could have been drafted. Those guys coming back on D headline a really experienced unit with Wes Goodwin coming back in the second year. We're going to unpack both of those units, but um, are, th- are there any other you know areas I miss guys that you are really looking forward to for this team to figure out like, what is this team all about this year? Well, I, I think for me, this is a turning the page season. Um, whether it, you call it a different chapter in you know, Dabo's career for me, I almost think you're, you're, turning the page from one volume to the next, like the elite years of Clemson football and the Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence era. Um, they're done. Um, you know, we had the DJ era and that didn't live up, you know, to our expectations. And now Clemson is not a top tier school anymore, right? They're on that second rung. You saw it last year. You can call it inconsistencies, but you know, a lot of it, you know, had to do with the talent It's on the field. It just wasn't as good. We hadn't been, recruiting as well we had you know several busts um wide receiver you isn't what it used to be um dj yeah he wasn't it was unfair to think he was going to be a trevor lawrence or deshaun watson type but he didn't live up to his five-star billing you know wish him all the best at oklahoma state this year it'll be interesting i look forward to to oregon state um same colors oh yes yeah um, it's, a, it's the Cowboys and probably both in the same conference now. Um, yeah. So anyways, uh, I'll look forward to watching him, but it just, he just w- wasn't on the same level. Um, and now Clemson is trying to get back there to being a lead. Davos talked about national championships a lot more um, early on in this season than um, he usually ever does at the beginning of the season. You know, it's always win the first game, uh, you know, when the, when the state, conference finish the division division which yeah. don't doesn't exist anymore they so. don't exist um so, so yeah you kind of won that honestly yeah. yeah there you go check that one off um so yeah i mean you hear him talking different so but you know this is the Cade era again Cade's not going to be Deshaun. it's not gonna be trevor it's gonna be something completely different you know this is no longer the the clemson football um team and dynasty that has these generational talents now, the the sum of all the parts can be really, really great and can, you know, make it to the playoffs. And I wouldn't say a national championship this year, but, you know, you see development into the future, possibly. Ben, I like, I like what you said about this is a turning the page. And Jarrett, I want to go back to something that you and Cody kind of talked about last year, which is, like, what is Dabo's, not legacy, but what is sort of his his goal, his vision for the immediate and near-term future for this program. And for a while you coined it, what was it? Dabo land. Like he's building Dabo mm-hmm. land. He's building not just a place to serve his players, hearts, souls, and talent, uh, but his coaching staff as well. And kind of creating career long-term in football career opportunities for former players to get into coaching and succeed. Um, and a lot of people at most hosts on this podcast questioned if that was conflicting or like orthogonal to the goals of winning a national championship and you know what the standard Dabo himself had created in Clemson I think he answered a lot of those questions in moving away from Streeter 
and hiring Garrett Riley and being able to secure a coach like Garrett Riley, one of the hottest names and brands right now in, in football. Um, so for me, that's, that's part of that turning the page and Jared, I want to maybe check in on your Dabo land theory here. So when you hire the Broyles award winner away from the team that went from like nothing to the national title in one season with the 40th ranked recruiting class, and you bring them into uh, a program and culture that Clemson with, you know, top 10 consistently recruiting classes, top five, sometimes um, what, what Dabo does is he builds Dabo land. He fills the bleachers with, you know, former players and, and staff. And he kind of, he builds it the way he wants to build it. And like you said, much to the frustration of some of us is on the outside looking in, you're like, Hey, like, why not get this person to coach wide receivers or to the offensive line or, whatever but he slowly seems to i would almost say 90 percent of the time fix what needs to be fixed maybe 75 percent of the time if you're not being as as generous i mean we could be much more aggressive with recruiting the transfer portal nil that's its own thing but you know when kevin Steele had to go he made the tough call and went and got brent venables and when we needed you know chad morris we got him when we needed um uh, Garrett Riley, we got him. So it's like he will make those big decisions when he needs to, but it's almost like he has to try to do it his way several different ways and refuse that it's the wrong way until he just decides, all right, I'm going to do something else. So I think Dabo Land is going to forever be here to stay. I just hope that each iteration, he gets a little bit keener and a little bit smarter on like when to pull the trigger and what kind of trash needs to be taken out and what's, you know, nepotism and what's not. I mean, yeah, it should come as no surprise that we kind of hit a, a little bump in the road here. You know, every, the direction that college football has been going is completely antithetical to, to Dabo's philosophy and what college football should be about. Um, so yeah, he was a little slow to pivot. Remember this program and it's, you know, while when it was winning national championships and going to the playoffs, it wasn't built like Nick Saban's Alabama teams. It was built completely different. And that was Dabo's way. Um, and he was able to get on a run of success there for, you know, five, six, seven years. Um, but then you have to change things up. So, you know, talk about Dabo land. Sometimes the rides get stale, you, you know, you gotta, you gotta switch them out for some new attractions. And I think Dabo's doing that. I mean, the Garrett Riley, um, hire was just came out of nowhere. We're all shocked by it. Like, it, I don't know if y'all heard the story about it. He was actually, Dabo was calling Lincoln Riley to talk to him and run some offensive coordinator names by him and just kind of joked with Lincoln uh -huh. saying, Oh, I assume Garrett's not available. And, uh, Lincoln was like, I wouldn't assume that. Um, and then next thing you know, we've, we've got a new offensive coordinator, um, who just took a team to the national championship game. So, um, uh, yeah, I have faith that, that, that Dabo can rebuild this. He's going to do it in his own way. Again, he's got some different challenges now with NIL and the transfer portal. And I still think that he's going to have to embrace both more. I mean, we're doing some stuff with NIL, um, but with the transfer portal, like you're going to have to start using that at some point, like you're just not going to be able to keep up. Well, let's, let's keep it on the offense guys. We've talked about Riley here coming in, um, Big thoughts on the season. I think consistency is going to happen in that running back room with the return of Phil Maffa and Will Shipley. Um, 
I think what's going to help that really solidify and anchor this team. And look, everyone here is Garrett Riley. He came from TCU. Uh, he was at SMU before that. He's sort of in that Mike Leach, um, Daniel Holgerson sort of family tree of air raid. Um, he told Dabo when he came in, no, we're, we're going to be the dirt raid. Like we, it's going to be ground is going to be a, a critical part of this offense. And that's an obvious thing to do and say when you've got this type of running back room coming back, probably a top two to three room in the country. Um, Michigan's up there as well. And Notre Dame, to be honest, is pretty good too. Um, but I think what, what will really set the ceiling for this, this team in the rushing attack is going to be on the offensive line. And Clemson seems to be in good shape there. Um, I know you guys have both been following the camp murmurings um, from summer, you know, the, I'm sorry, the fall, fall practice session. Um, Jarrett, like what can, what can our listeners know about the offensive line coming in this year? Or what should well, people like, know? Sure. <clears throat> One of the things that we alluded to um, in the previous things is that we've kept, we only basically lost one starter, J-Mac. And then, so with Tristan Lee back, um, from what we're hearing in camp, Dabo himself is saying that we've got about eight people that he could go out there and win games with and start. And that is something that last year we would constantly see at the same five O linemen out. And he says that there's about, you know, 10 or 12 people that he can, you know, switch around and, um, you know, that are serviceable. So what I'm hoping to see, and it sounds like they've kind of cut a little bit of weight looking to do more playing in space um, with Riley's offense is let's, not wear down the offensive linemen every single game. Let's keep them healthy and, you know, fresh. And so they can be blowing people off the ball. So they can be pass blocking. So they can be nimble. Um, that's kind of what I want to see is really kind of continue the success and, uh, you know, give the uh, O-linemen some fresh legs. Yeah. I mean, as you look down the depth chart here, I think one of the the big differences is that, once you get to the second team, you, you actually still have guys with experience. Um, you know, the last mm-hmm. couple of years we've been running some true freshmen in there, but now, you know, across this offensive line, you see names that you recognize and they're not true freshmen. Um, guys that have played for a couple, two, three years. Um, mm-hmm. And then, you know, you look at the, the second teamers, Trent Howard, Ryan Lincecum, Mitchell Mays, you know, those guys have played. Um, and then some high upside guys like Colin Sadler. And this is an addition to, um, you know, a starting five that, again, mm-hmm. has a good bit of experience, showed improvement over the course of last season. Um, but, yeah, I totally agree with you. I, I think being able to rotate guys in and out, you remember back when, um, you know, Clemson was making their their run in the, the mid to late teens, they, were, they had offensive line depth. You know, they weren't the best offensive line guys in the world. They weren't getting like super like drafted or, you know, drafted at all. Right. But um, they had consistency, they had depth, they had guys with, with skill um, and knew how to play the positions. We've been running a little thin the past, you know, few years relying on a lot of young guys, but now this year, um, you know, we, we have some high profile guys that were highly rated in the recruiting rankings and now have been here, you know, playing in games for two to three years. And I think that really bodes well, for this offense this season. And I think what Lincoln Riley um, or Garrett Riley, um, how many times are we going to mess that up? Um, or me <laughs> specifically, uh, what Garrett we'll put Riley, a dollar in the jar. Yeah, talking about the, the down and dirty or the dirt and pound or whatever you dirt call raid. it. Dirt raid. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the thing is he's going to, 
um, you know, playing in the Big 12 and playing those teams, it's not about winning in the trenches necessarily, right? Um, so he's coming to a Clemson team that, you know, hasn't necessarily been doing that against the best teams, but at least has that mindset um, because we've had to do that going up against the Alabama's, um, Ohio State's, um, LSU's in the Syracuse. Oh, yeah, of course, in the in previous years. And, of course, we're talking about the playoffs. Um, you know, when Dabo right, says, right. I've got eight guys I can go in there and win games with or 10 or 12 guys, I'm like, well, against the regular season schedule or against the playoff schedule? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, let's be real. Like, we can hear it in August out of our coaches' mouths, but that's coach speak, more or less, till proven otherwise. And we've, we've learned it in years past, right? Like, I think two years ago, Dabo was like, this O-line is fire, and they were, they were something. Um, but Sorry, bag of poop. Yeah, <laughs> fire was attached to something different. Um, but anyway, I feel like, you know, we'll, we'll have to see it. Um, the Duke game is going to be our best opportunity to examine that before the Florida State game. Um, you know, just in terms of the way the schedule breaks down, and we'll get into that. But um, I don't know. I, there's signs of optimism. I think it's going to be a pretty high floor type of offensive line season for Clemson. And that is where hopefully the scheme is something that, um, you know, it, it's got enough variance to it to where mm -hmm. whatever the O-line is giving Garrett Riley and Kate Klubnick and the running it running attack, they'll be, you know, there's plenty of plays to go to to kind of work through that and figure out, you know, where the strengths are, where the weaknesses are. Um, mm -hmm. Whereas you had a Tony Elliott or a Brandon Streeter playbook, that they were trying to simplify even more for the quarterback in the last couple of years. You know, if that didn't play to the strengths of the offensive line, which it largely did not, that, that made it tough to generate offense. And the, the Duke game is, is actually, you know, we, we'll make fun of Duke. I'm sure oh, they were what nine and three last year or whatever, but who they play and it's still Duke. Um, you know, their starting defensive line is all seniors. Their two starting defensive tackles are over 300 pounds. Um, so I think it is going to be a really good test for this offensive line coming out of the gates um, yeah. and see if uh, the fact that they have, they do have experience and been here a couple of years now, if they find that chemistry earlier on that you would usually maybe wait to see it develop during the season. But I, I think it is going to be a good test. Mm -hmm. I'll throw out another stat before we move out to the, the passing game. Um, 17 of Clemson's last 27 games, they failed to reach 400 yards of offense. 17 games. In Garrett Riley's last 27 games, he only failed to reach 400 yards six times. And that's with SMU and TCU. Now, granted, they're playing defenses in the American Conference and in the Big 12. Still, um, very big difference there in terms of just high potent offense ability to generate yards yards lead to points um and he was doing that with a much less talented roster so yeah. that gives me hope for let's move it over to the passing side of the ball Kate Klubnick coming in Max Duggan last year um he you know was a, a solid quarterback Heisman candidate if I'm not mistaken um put up the stats had the numbers last year was Garrett Riley's first and only year at TCU so really came in similar situation with Cade uh, but Max Duggan, though he was on that roster for a couple of years before that, um, he was a four-star level of talent coming in from Iowa. Kate Klubnick, five-star from Austin, Texas. You know, probably a little bit more talent to work with. Now, a little bit greener, of course, 
Um, but we saw those flashes last year, even in a streeter offense to where you just let the guy cook. He was a natural leader on that field. I think the orange bowl obviously made a couple mistakes and he was prone to um, escaping the pocket. Maybe at times that he should have stayed in, but um, I, I just think a lot of the deficiency in that game came down to red zone situational football. Um, and it was just a weird bowl game type matchup. Well, I will say this, the only uh, game that, that Cade has started in his Clemson career, um, it put up 484 yards of offense. So, <laughs> and then the North Carolina game was 385. Obviously he didn't start that one. Um, so yeah, no, I totally agree. I, I think on paper, the talent here at Clemson and on this Clemson offense is better than what he had to work with at TCU uh, last year. So that should give us all, um, you know, a lot of it and still a lot of excitement in us to see what this offense is going to be this year. And I think even with last year, it was still a little bit of a hangover from the, the Tony Elliott era era where, you know, everything was kind of put together more with that engineering mindset. It was pretty complicated. Um, and so I'm hoping that the guys are going to be playing just more free and loose, um, you know, less worried maybe about making mistakes or being too technical out there and just overthinking things because the offense is somewhat simplified. Um, and I think Cade's the type of quarterback that is going to play loose. Now I think that is going to come to bite us in the butt. Um, at, at some point this year, I'm not saying it's going to cost us a game, but it might cost us some close games, right? Because, you know, he's still a sophomore. There's going to be some interceptions um, with a guy that's playing like that. But I think you're also going to see a lot of, a lot more big plays, right? Mm-hmm. Um, b- because of that. So I think you, that's just what you, um, that's what you're going to get. And I think it's worth taking that, that maybe small downside decayed for the high ceiling that he has, especially within mm-hmm. Garrett's offensive scheme. Yeah. That's why he reminds me more of like a Deshaun Watson. And from what I've read in, uh, you know, camp reports is like, he's the kind of guy that will run out there and lead the team. And then he'll throw an interception and he'll come right back out there and throw a touchdown for 60 yards or something like that. And it's just, um, it, it almost seems like tongue in cheek or like they were trying to make it clear in a mysterious way to the media saying things like, look, he can go out there and have a bad play and he comes right back from the last two years of dealing with DJ. You know, we knew as soon as he started making bad plays, it was just a matter of time before he just crumbled. Um, And I think also too, DJ looked good his true freshman year. He had two games or whatever where he took control of the offense. And we're like, man, this guy looks like legit. How can he not be the future? And so counterpoint and maybe, you know, bearish case is like, does he come out there and now he's the guy. And then all of a sudden it's kind of like, we don't see it. We're like, where is the guy we saw last year? Yeah. I don't think you're gonna get that out of I don't think that'll happen. Yeah. Yeah, I I think, I think the confidence there and that's something that DJ lacked, man. I, I last year went back um, after the fact and watched the, um, uh, the Notre Dame game from him uh, yeah. his freshman year. And I was the same way. I'm like, where is this dude? He looked like a completely different mm-hmm. person. Now everything was simplified for him. He had a lot more studs um, around him. That's true. Um, especially in the, um, from the wide receiver position. Um, but yeah, I think Cade, we saw it last year. He brings a different mindset. Um, great to hear that he doesn't get down on himself. And when he makes a mistake, he comes back out there um, and forgets about it. Let's just, Hope that doesn't happen too often. <laughs> any any surprises, guys, on the 
the wide receiver depth chart here. I mean, I, I think the very bolded starters are as we expected. You got Adam Randall, Antonio Williams in the slot and Bo Collins on the boundary. Um, but after that, you know, Cole Turner's like the or starter with Adam Randall. Um, little bit surprised to see him as a uh, as an or there with Randall. Um, and then Tyler Brown, I know Jerry, you're big on him in our you know newcomer mm-hmm. show. Um, so to see him in the slot with Antonio Williams, like that's not un- unexpected. It's just a nice, nice to see a freshman able to make that kind of depth chart duty um, appearance duty. And then, yeah, for me, it's like Brandon Spector. Is he going to be healthy? Is Troy Salato healthy out there on the outside? And, and that's where I think you may. Yeah. I mean, we'll see how that goes. Maybe see Cole Turner. Or, or Tyler Brown maybe shift around a little bit because, you know, Spectre's been hurt. Troy Stilato hasn't mm-hmm. been able to stay on the field and actually surprised to see him with a death chart getting everything we've heard. But, um, right. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think the starters are obvious, but for me, it's like, okay, I got to see it first though, you know, and maybe it, it, it did come down to just needing a, a different guy under center, but you know, there's a lot of balls that hit him right in the hands the past few years that were just drops. You know, when DJ did make a good throw, this certainly didn't help DJ's confidence when those guys dropping balls. So, um, yeah, I mean, we know what we're going to get out of Antonio Williams because he flashed that last year. Bo Collins is still yet to hit his ceiling, but certainly a mm-hmm. high upside. We've heard all the talk about Adam Randall last year. Um, he played, uh, but was coming off an ACL um, injury the previous year. So, Got to see it on the field. We saw flashes from Cole Turner. Let's 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 see if that's real. The Tyler Brown one. That's interesting to me to to hear how hyped he's been as a true freshman. Because I think he's just a three star um, out of Greenville. But yeah, expect him to get a lot of playing time this year. And I think what you're starting to see line up just a little bit is a couple other depth guys that maybe we haven't in the past. Now we need to get Specter back. Um, in, in there to, to provide some depth. I'm not going to hold my breath on Stilato. Um, but the, the top guys, the starters certainly have um, kind of big play and um, go-to guy type of capabilities. We're still not back to wide receiver you though. And this could be a little bit like a Georgia offense the last couple of years, which we will not make Stetson Bennett aspirational comments. It's more Jake Brenningstool is the tight end the biggest playmaker on your team in the passing game, like Brock Bowers was for Georgia. And you just have, you know, talented, serviceable, but you're not dependent dependent on them for your entire offense type of receivers, especially when you have a stout running game to go with it. Yeah, and, six, and six. We, we return 10 of our leading pass catchers. Um, well, sorry, 10 of our 14 games last year, the leading pass catcher is back on the team this year. Um, so, like, so that's, that's a, a, that's a big number of guys, yeah, <laughs> 10, 10 dudes, but yeah, you know what I mean? the, the leading catcher in 10, 10 of the deep. 14 games played will be back on the team. Yeah. We'll be uh, back on the team. Uh, and that includes cool. Brinning stool and two of them. And Jesus Christ with him and Allen on the team last year, how we did not utilize them more like the tight end can be such a, a, a weapon, especially in college football, because they can create so many mismatches, mismatches. Um, so I think you guys mentioned it last time. I think it's I think you pronounced it middle of the field. Um, <laughs> yeah, let's open that back up. 
you know, let's get uh, Antonio Williams up there. Let's get some some tight ends up there. Burning Soul Sage. Four receiver sets. Four receiver sets yeah. with Tyler Brown. We're going to see all kinds of shit. Yeah. I mean, that's, what's, that's what I'm excited for, guys. It's just like a more exciting offense, different formations. Um, oh, you know, hopefully a quarterback that can handle all the different looks. Not running Excuse it up me. the middle and second and 10. Um, yeah, I mean, Garrett Riley, just speaking about the running game, yeah. Garrett Riley loves counter. Counter is something that um, we didn't run too much uh, in the Tony Elliott, Brandon Streeter offense, um, mostly inside zone. So it'll be interesting to see. Uh, I mean, I, Jared, we were the three of us were grabbing a beer the other night, kind of watching the week zero games. And um, I think how we and I want to ask you guys, like how we think the Shipley Mafa two headed monster is going to be utilized. Um, I see Mafa getting the bulk of the carries between the tackles, no surprise, and Will Shipley being used a little bit more in the passing game. Um, that with just the you know the the alchemy that Garrett Riley is going to bring with the different formations and bunch bunch formations, all that. Um, how do you defend against all this talent on the field? Yeah, that's what I then that's what I was going to say. I want to see the creativity come from him. Get get Shipley and Mafa on the field at the same time. Yeah, hundred percent. Those two guys are stuck. Totally I mean, could be best running back duo in the country i mean you guys think we'll average 35 points a game are you going up over under on that over Ooh, i'm gonna take uh, to look at the schedule again just to be sure <laughs> my i want to say slightly colored, over my orange colored yeah, glasses say over. says yes my mm-hmm. brain says wait do you see it start to happen but i just can't imagine with the talent and experience on this roster with a quarterback who we've seen is able, um, you know, to make plays. He's a true playmaker Um, under Garrett Riley. I just have to believe that we're going to be in for quite a show on the offense this year. And if not, something else is fundamentally wrong. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it, it goes along with the 400 yards. It goes along with, you know, the, the different looks and the, the, the talent that we have back. Um, I think you're right. Um, incidentally, last year, Clemson averaged, let me finish this calculation here real quick. Mr. Google's doing hand calculations. Uh, 33 points a game is what Clemson averaged last year. And granted, we had a 50, we had an outlier of 51 points in that double overtime game with Wake. Um, we also also had an outlier in the 14 point showing against Tennessee, also 14 against Notre Dame, but uh, 33 points average last season with that offense and the woes it had and the inconsistency. Wouldn't be surprised if Clemson's well north of that pushing 40, which would be great to see. And then, you know, we should finish our thoughts on the offense, but you know, what does it look like from a defense that brings a lot of talent back? Good things. That's what that means. Sure. Um, any parting thoughts for the offense, guys, before we pivot? I am looking into the future. Like, okay, so my initial thought on this year was that we were going to have a really good offense this year. Um, we were really enjoy seeing them play, but they're one year away from being really, really unstoppable. The thing that I'm worried about with that moving forward in the future is our running back depth. And I think that's somewhere we're going to have to go to the portal. Um, ben, ben, what was your like 
thesis for that? Or like what players were you like, oh man, that guy's going to just, he'll be good this year, but he's going to unlock and be amazing. Is that Cade? I think it's, I think it's across the board. I think it's the offensive line. Um, is yeah. just going to be a lot one of these guys better be back except and, for putting them right. Uh, even yeah, yeah, yeah. Except for putting them. Um, and Dabo said as much that Walker Parks, the only person yeah. he expects to leave it. Walker Parks may be coming back. He could they, be back. Yeah. They may use their, uh, COVID year. Um, he said, um, Brennan still still a junior. We'll see what type of year he has. I think the wide receivers again, just another year of development. Um, I don't think any okay. of, them are in position right now. I mean, maybe Bo Collins goes to the league. Um, but yeah, I think another year in this offense and especially under Garrett Riley's system, I think next year could really be the year for the offense. But this year, I think we're going to be explosive and we're going to have a really fun time watching them. I mean, there's been worse offenses on paper that have won the national championship. So that is something that like, I think we'll obviously get to the predictions coming up, but this, this can well be, if it achieves its potential, the type of offense that could win a natty. Yeah, well I just together. I just wonder, again, I think with the wide receivers, how dominant can they be, especially when you get into playing elite defenses and the same thing with the offensive line. Can they can they win the line of scrimmage? I don't know that yet. Yeah, and can they – there's complementary football offense to defense, but passing game and wide receivers to the running backs. Are these receivers finally going to start blocking? Yeah, good question. Tyler, Tyler Grisham, the time has come, you know, for it is. <clears throat> it's it's put up or shut, shut up kind of time. So um, we will see on that front. I think that's like a fair question to ask. Um, I heard that was a concern in the first scrimmage. In the first scrimmage, the receivers were not blocking well, from what I heard from Keith T, maybe. Yeah. So hopefully uh, Dabo got on their ass about that. Yeah, we will see. Um, all right, why don't we flip it over to the defense? Clemson's defense, guys, we've talked about it. You know about it. A lot of household names coming back on this unit. Um, begins up front with the D-line, uh, the defensive tackle position, Rook Aurora and Tyler Davis, both, what, fifth-year seniors now opting to come back. Six-year seniors, Xavier Thomas and Justin Maskell. Those are your four starters. But we got some freshmen in the mix on that D-line. I think the D-line is going to be the identity of this defense. Um, but it's great across. I think the linebacker unit is incredible. Um, so the talent is there, guys, for Clemson's defense. I think to outperform its mark from last year. Um, you got Wes Goodwin coming back his second year at D.C. Um, we'll get in a little bit more to the depth chart, but just from kind of the de- defensive storylines for this year, I think it really is a mix of that young talent and that experience um, really at all three levels coming in and making a difference for this defense. Um, when you also think about the matchups Clemson's going to have against the most potent offenses, we are really going to see those with the home field advantage at Death Valley, uh, which I think makes a big difference on opposing quarterbacks and on our defense, you know, playing, playing up to its potential. Um, so that bodes well for this defense as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, what are you guys, as you looked at this defense this year, Anything pop out to you guys as something you're most looking forward to? I th- I think the most glaring th- thing for me that really comes as a surprise is that we've got 12 positions lifted, listed on the depth chart. Try to figure that one yeah, out. Yes. So, so there's a nickel nickel corner in there. I don't think there's two other before. corners. Yeah, there's, there's the three linebacker positions, and then there's 
two corners and a nickel corner. Has the font Wes Goodwin figured out how to shoehorn another guy <laughs> on the field? Um, the literal cloth man. Yeah. Because <laughs> I would look going back and looking at this, I would expect. So I'm just wrapping my head around this. That Makuba well, it's, would be, it's a little but, crazy to me that Makuba is. I mean, he did play the nickel corner position, and Clemson played a lot of nickel last year. Um, but I always felt he was out of position in that role. I think he felt that way too. Yeah. Right. And I don't know how, I guess he's cut some weight, but actually he's added weight, which we thought was going to be the signal for him to move more back to a safety type position, a natural safety Mm -hmm. where he was amazing as a true freshman. Um, so that's a little weird. Now his performance last year was marred with injury. He had a dislocated elbow and a huge, huge brace on that for most of the season and affected his tackling and his past defense. But, um, yeah, it's a little curious here. Again, depth charts are just a thing. It's not necessarily like what's going to play out on the field. Um, but to, I see, I, I think like the guy who's backing him up as we look at the depth chart, Khalil Barnes, he strikes me as a little bit more of like a natural nickel corner um, relative to Makuba, who could play more at safety. And I, he's listed at 195. We don't have Cody, our physique tracker on the show tonight, but. Uh, Jared, didn't you read that at weigh-in he was actually above two bills? I don't know why they would have him lower on this. Who, Khalil or Makuba? Sorry, Andrew Makuba. I think Makuba was like 195 because he, I believe he was 185 last year, so he added 10 pounds. Got it. I mean, that's good regardless if he's playing, um, you know, safety or, or nickel. Um, and obviously we're going to run out there with different looks on defense. I imagine when you're just out there with three linebackers and two safeties that Makuba is going to be one of those safeties. I think the big thing for him is not playing out of position this year and being able to be able to focus in and lock in on one thing instead of having to know everything on the defense to fill in. Um, I think the main question uh, for me, I, well, the two big questions on defense for me um, are going to be our defensive end performance. Obviously we know what we're going to get. Well, obviously we know what we hope we're going to get at a Xavier Thomas and what his ceiling could be. Still have not seen that yet. Justin Maskell on the other side, super senior, but there's a reason he hasn't been starting, right? And other guys have surpassed him on the depth chart in the past. And then after them, you got a true freshman TJ Parker behind Thomas, who do expect to get a lot of playing time this year. And then Kate Denhoff, um, redshirt sophomore on the other side. So um, not a lot of depth there. I do wonder if you, I, I would expect to see, um, some more nickel, nickel packages in that sense. And maybe that's why Makuba is is listed in here where you go with three down linemen, um, um, a nickel plus your three linebackers. Um, yeah. And so maybe that's the opportunity or do you move a defensive tackle, really athletic de- defensive tackle outside um, like Peter Woods. Um, but on paper, yeah, this defensive line is stout. Uh, the interior def- defensive line should be amazing. It's be great to see Tyler Davis back healthy. Hopefully, uh-huh. he can stay healthy throughout the year. Rukororo, um, my God, please graduate because I still can't pronounce your name. No, he he played <laughs> amazing last year, and looking forward to to seeing more of him this year. I'm really proud of that young man. He's been in the the program for quite some time, and he's setting himself up for a really nice NFL career. Um, and then, yeah, you just hope that Xavier Thomas can be that monster that we've all expected him to be when he came in here as a five-star. Yeah, the big, I mean, the real big question for me is like, do we see all this translate into a cohesive defensive unit? And can they get that pass rush on? Are we observing that pressure? 
or are we just trying to look for that or is it coverage sacks that you're well, and i think getting? that's where you're bringing makuba up uh maybe and and, and leaning on those um interior defensive linemen to you know to take off some blocks and get your guys free coming around the edge um yeah, I also think Wade Woodass can get after the passer, so that's Absolutely. where maybe Makuba yep. backs him up yep. in the in the second second yeah, level. I mean, gets right. our linebacker core, who's I mean, could mm-hmm. be the, should be one of the top linebacking cores in the country um, right. between, mm-hmm. especially between Trotter and Clark Carter. I would think one of the best linebacker duos. But we saw what Wade Woodass could do last year. He put on some weight. He got pushed around a little bit in the Tennessee game because he was underweight. Um, so that was exposed a bit, but now with another year under his belt, a um, few more pounds on that frame, because um, he's up to the same weight as both Trotter and Carter at this point at two thirty. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, I mean, the go ahead, Jerry. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say. I mean, list, looking at the depth chart and kind of just with my gut, I mean, it is great to see Peter Woods as an or with Tyler Davis and Rook. So, like, I'm not entirely. I don't want to be overly optimistic, but that might mean that he's just absolutely like murdering people in camp, which is amazing because yeah. we need that because Maskell, I mean, he came in with Trevor in a 2018. So um, he's maybe this is his year to break out. I hope so. Um, Denoff, you know, redshirt sophomore, we need help on that uh, strong side DN uh, situation. So, but I think as I'm listening to y'all talk, I think that's probably what, what uh, Goodwin's going to do is have Woodaz and uh, Makuba on the field at the same time, essentially as kind of like roaming safety linebacker DNs, you know, in these hybrid positions, kind of like two Isaiah Simmons, but slightly different molds of just being able to be wherever they need to be when they need to be there. So uh, we, we have so much unproven talent on the defense especially the front seven behind Trotter and Carter. There's a lot of unproven talent that like could be great, or we could have to do a lot of creative scheming to kind of keep our ass in check. Well, and to, and take note too, that you've got Wade Wood as um, listed on second team behind Barrett Carter at the will linebacker position. And at his uh, Sam linebacker position, it's freshman Jamal Anderson. We obviously TJ Dudley was expected to step in and, and get oh. some snaps this year. So what I would imagine. Oh, he got some snaps. You, all right. Yeah. <laughs> Dudley Dudley. Um, you're going to see Trot- Trotter and Carter on the field and then maybe interchangeable between uh, Makuba in that nickel position. Um, and then shifting back to safety when you have wood as on the field as well. For me, I think the biggest question mark in the regular season is going to be stopping the run and what we get out of this team. You know, a lot of the same players, were on the team last year that got burned against Florida State, gave up six yards of carry, over 200 yards for FSU on the ground. Notre Dame, Ben, I cannot believe you went back and rewatched that. Uh, Notre Dame put up 260 yards on the ground, 5.6 yards of carry. No, I rewatched DJ's first year. Oh, that one. Not the one yeah. last we year. We still lost that one, but that was maybe a little bit more of an entertaining. Uh, DJ played a lot better. And I yeah, wasn't there, yeah. so I wasn't nearly as freezing freaking cold. It just seems like that even... fake red ball, red fireball, fake fireball that I got in Ooh. Chicago from the it's gas like station. Well, it turned out after the, or something? It turned out after the fact that the stuff they were selling in Illinois at the gas stations was like more like malt liquor, mm. like 15% <laughs> and not the full yeah. like 35, 40, whatever fireball is. So that's why we lost. Yeah. Mm. Didn't have enough fire in the tank. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, regardless, you know, in the, in those games, I think it took a while for the defense to adjust. Um, hopefully that's where personnel and a little bit more experience in the coaching staff and the roster can play in for this year. But that's really what I'm going to look for in that Florida state game. They claim to be a lot better on the outside with their receiver talent through the transfer portal. Jordan Travis is, you know, a handful, uh, but really it was on the ground where Florida state scared me the most last year. Um, it seemed like they actually went away from the run in the, if you go back and rewatch that game. So that is for me with this defense, an open question mark. Um, I'm going to assume Wes Goodwin with his aggressive blitzes, you know, he, everyone says he was the brains behind Venable's scheme for the last couple of years. Um, don't know how true that is, but I think he'll figure out how to generate a you know, pressure on the quarterback. Um, it's really with that running game, you know, that against some of those opponents that it, it's going to be uh -huh. challenging for this team. And that's also just from a game script perspective, you know, the best way to beat a Garrett Riley offense is to have that quarterback on the bench. So if you're running the ball, play keep away, extended drives, uh -huh. you know, that could be an issue. Especially with not stopping after first down, the clock keeps running. Yeah. Got the rules working against us now. Which I guess lends itself to more up tempo. So you're not. Yeah. Yeah. That there's not the... to see how that plays out. Yeah. I mean, you could technically run tempo the whole time. Yeah. It's just going to be difficult. I think the rule, let's clear what the rule changes um, on first downs, typically in college football, every first down, you stop the clock till they reset and then you start it. You know, if the ball was down in the field of play now, that will only be the case in the final two minutes of each half. Right, guys? I just or if you go out of bounds. How many years have we been also watching NFL football? We get it. We've seen that before. It's going to be like the For pitch. Sure. It's going to be like the pitch clock in Major League Baseball. We got used yeah. to it. It's not even I think full season in. It's. I'm not like freaking out over it. I think more so if you find yourself with a deficit and you don't have timeouts or you need to preserve your timeouts and it's not yet two minutes left and you're still trying to come back from like a multi-score deficit, that can definitely play into clock management. It could I think also, it's just going to turn into more aggressive play, though, which is fun. Because it, it could limit your amount of possessions per game. So you go back and ask, we score, we average more than 35 points a game this year. That Yeah, maybe not. Could be a fair series. That. Yeah. yeah. Um, That's fair. I think the, kind of the last big thing for me, it's still a concern on this defense, is the play of the secondary and how physical um, they're going to be this year they've been soft the past couple of seasons or at least that's been the perception been giving up a long a lot of long passing plays a lot of deep passing plays big plays a lot of bust um a lot of experienced guys coming back between sheridan jones rj mickens jalen phillips nate wiggins um, with a couple studs in there um but also a, a couple guys who could stand to still have a little bit to prove so um Again, good experience coming back. Everybody coming back in the secondary and starting is a junior, um, senior, redshirt senior, grad student senior, whatever the little carrot and asterisk and senior means now. Does that mean they've been in school <laughs> for eight years? How does that work? Um, Probably. Anyways, a lot of experience now. I mean, I think from a let's, – let's wrap up the defense with a thought real quick. When, it when we talk about, you know – national championship caliber defenses. I think it is like, there is depth of talent on throughout this roster, maybe linebackers, a core where you, you feel like is a little bit thinner on talent. Um, but the high end talent does seem to be there. And we, we do have faith that Wes Goodwin will be the, the type of coach that, you know, can get the maximum amount of output out of this talent. I, 
I just think about going up against, and we don't know who the the highest power offenses are going to be because everyone's like, oh, USC, like after the first week, I'm trying not to overreact to one week of football, um, especially if they're playing the game in August. But is it, are we really going to see more like balanced teams make the playoff this year who aren't necessarily like high powered all time great offenses? We will have to see. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think this defense likely is good enough if, if the offense is firing on all cylinders, you know, to be able to keep the team in these games. Um, I think last year, what stopped us from seeing the high potential of this defense as well is we found ourselves in a lot of those close games. And early on in the season, you know, we had a lot of depth issues in the secondary, like look at that Wake Forest game. Um, Sam Hartman on our schedules, probably the quarterback that gives me the most concern. And it oh, does yeah. seem like mm-hmm. Notre Dame has talent on in the receiver position. Um, Chancey Stuckey is the receiver coach at Notre Dame. Don't know why we can't pull him away from there, um, even just to get him on the roster, on the coaching staff. But um, regardless, I think we're going to find out that Clemson will face, I mean, there's Drake May, right? There's Jordan Travis, probably two or three uh, Heisman hopeful quarterbacks that you could see uh-huh. this defense face. Um, all of them though, we face at home. So I think the the sleeper pick is going to be NC state and Brendan Armstrong. Um, he's, he's there. He's a what fifth year, six year guy. Um, we play at NC state, Dave Doran, you know, we'll have them ready to play Clemson. We know that. So um, I don't know. I think, I think this defense will be battle tested by the time we would, we would presumably get to the ACC championship or the playoff. Um, which I don't know if you can say that about Georgia or Michigan who don't really play tough schedules at all. Yeah. That NC state game is going to be a tough one because you also have to take in consideration that once you're at that point of the season, how has the injury bug treated you, you know, um, how banged up are your guys? So that NC state game for us is following at Miami the week prior. And it's the week before Notre Dame at home. Um, and that will be NC state then coming off a of bye week right before us. So, that's going to be a huge game for them. Um, that could be the one game, um, you know, if let's, okay, let's say we get one loss in the season this year, um, in the regular season, that'd be the game that I pick. Um, I think that'd be okay. I mean, if, if you got to tell me we have one loss on this, it's never okay State, to lose to Dave Dorn. Okay. No, I, never I agree okay. with that, but in terms of goals, mm-hmm. um, it's never okay. And program trajectory and all that, like, not okay. yeah. Who'd you rather lose to, Ben? Duke? Charleston Southern. Charleston. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> What's their mascot? It's a pirate. Or Buccaneers, something? man. Buccaneers? My dad helped <laughs> my dad helped found their football program as a club program when they were Baptist Dude. College back in the 80s. And he's in their sports hall of fame. So go Bucks. Awesome. Buccaneers. Weird, weird right. flex. <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> Okay, special teams. Everyone's favorite. Yep. You waited 60 minutes or however long we've been recording uh, to get into this. So um, finally, Clemson is named starters at the punter and kicker position. RG3-2, Robert Gunn third uh, will be place kicker. Apparently, he can boom him from 70. Let's find out if he can boom him from 30. Um, I think if you're automatic from 35 under, I don't care if you can hit it from 60. We were spoiled with BT Potter. Unfortunately, he looks like he did not make an NFL roster just yet. Um, again, the kicking game, guys, if we are going to find ourselves 
in close close matchups, um, it matters. So let's hope he can kind of get the kinks out early in these first matchups uh, and, and find his footing in the short kicking game. Aiden Swanson is back. He's another you know dude that won't leave um, doing the punting. I thought he had a pretty good year last year, guys. I don't know. I'm not you know it was up on fine. the stats. It was fine. I just thought they were talking about a turnover at that position with Jack Smith, and apparently he couldn't take the job. Although he's he's a beefy dude, six five two thirty five. Man, here, holy he's shit, gonna look, he's gonna look like that giant play defensive end punter, punter from Georgia Tech a few years ago. Remember <laughs> that guy who was like three twenty? Yeah, tank. Yeah. yeah. He well, he's amazing. got a you know ninety what? pounds to go to get there. So, or like the Penn State dude who's the kickoff guy, tackling people. And there's the TCU kid that's four hundred something pounds. It's a TCU offensive lineman, pretty sure. He could play yeah. two positions. So we'll um, see. Yeah, um, Jack Smith could play the end. He's he's that he's got he's built different. The end punter. <laughs> we might need him. double duty. I have to look um, a photo of this guy. <clears throat> And then shout out to friends of the show, Holden Casperson and Phil Florenzo holding down the long snapping duties. Looks like they're going to handle kicking and punting respectively. So um, congrats to those guys. Uh, Clay Sweeney going to be holding. Oh, it says that uh, he'll be scoring some touchdowns. What are we going to do when we're out of Sweeney's? Like, do we just stop kicking extra points and field goals? I think the, the program shuts down. We get the death penalty. <laughs> okay. How many games into Four the season? Years. How many games into the season until we have a fake kick play with Clay um, trying to score a touchdown? Like how, how many? What what game this year? How many games into the season? FAU you know third game. FAU. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Call. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, I like I think that. FAU. Call. Isn't um is Willie Taggart the coach at FAU? uh wait he, is he he used to be no it's I'm, tom herman yeah Sorry. He, he got fired oh. again um so yeah tom herman um anyways yeah robert gun the third i think his name speaks for itself okay oh not worried about him based on name alone okay <laughs> um he's got a cannon uh, uh, I would love to see something better out of the punting game. Somebody that can average over 40 yards a punt. Yeah. I think field position mm-hmm. is something that we used to take for granted because we had such an elite defense and offense. Um, but now when you're not quite there yet, I think the good thing about RG three is that he can put the ball out of the end zone on kickoffs, just like BT Potter was, which is great, right? It takes away the risk of the, the kickoff. Yeah, it's, return. A field posi- it's the yeah. hidden yards of a game. It's field position. It's, um, if you're you know, offense, not having scoring opportunities, yeah, and if your offense isn't moving, are you able to flip the field um, on punts? So, right. uh, mm-hmm. that's yeah, I, I like having the experience at the punter position. That's a good call. Um, in terms of kick, uh, punt return, kick return, Tyler Brown is going to factor in. Um, that's good to see that they feel like he's got the hands and the speed to, to do that. Um, he'll be with Antonio Williams on punt returns, and then Will Shipley on kick returns. We say it every year, guys, like, let's keep keep these guys healthy, um, getting them on those extra four, five, six, six plays a game, um, you know, does put them at risk. So good to see that we're getting guys lower on the depth chart into that mix who are athletic. Uh, but yeah, I mean, would be nice to see Shipley. I mean, I, th- I think he was close on one or two last year from from taking one to the house. So 
Um, we'd love to see that. I think Clemson's long overdue, but I'd rather get that high powered offense on the field. So I'm also down with uh, fair catches. Over under one and a half kick slash punt returns for touchdowns this year. Under. Opponents will be punting a lot. I will say that, but yeah, I'll say under. Yeah. I think what we end up seeing is Antonio Williams starts the season as the punt returner. Then as Tyler Brown gets acclimated into the college game, you might see him step in there and, and field yeah. more of those punts again, just for the, the, just for what you mentioned about keeping him healthy. Antonio, yeah. that is. Um, all right, guys. I mean, I think we covered the roster. Let's do a quick schedule rundown. I know we've touched a little bit on the flow, but um, really breaks down as it does with most years into different phases of the season. Um, really, you've got September. So that's at Duke. We're on Labor Day night, the showcase game for ESPN. Uh, quick turn to host Charleston Southern. They've already announced that game. Um, I guess I'm looking at Pacific time. Yeah, it's two It's 2.15. It's, it's the weirdest time to start a football game ever, 2.15 Eastern. Um, that, that's, we have called, a that's called prime time on ACC Network, Telly. That's how that works. Okay, perfect. Yeah, that's when they can get viewers. Um, well, we're apparently is that when Aaron there, Judge like... is trying to break another record and we're going to have to watch him play <laughs> fucking baseball? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> can we just not watch Ian Book? like come into our games. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know what's worse watching the Yankees or a Notre Dame quarterback <laughs> interrupting our game. Either way, screw you. Yes. Yeah. Um, yep. And then FAU's week three. Um, that's going to be an important game. Like Tom Herman's their head coach. I think FAU, like they made the final four in basketball. Like they're going to be middling in their, the American conference, but he's a capable head coach. He's not that many years removed from being a darling in the sport. Um, hopefully that's a pretty good warm up for Florida state, which is Saturday, the 23rd TBD on the time there. We know that's going to be prime time. That'll probably be SPN game day. If both teams are undefeated, even if Florida state loses to LSU, I still think that's going to be a hyped matchup. Um, so that's really the first phase. Then we move into at Syracuse at the end of the month, then versus wake. And then, uh, our bye week um, before Miami and NC state, this is a, this is a tricky stretch. I think Syracuse, we're going to run over them. It is at Syracuse in the Dome, but it's not on a Thursday or Friday night. So generally, we should be in good shape there. Uh, Wake Forest, they have dealt with a lot of turnover. I think they're going to be in the bottom bottom portion of the ACC this year um, for Wake. But Dave Clawson's great, so you, know, you can't really sleep on them. That game's at Death Valley. Um, and then we have the bye week. So mid-season, October 14th bye. Um, great time. October is usually an awesome month, so I'll enjoy having the the, the weekend off for that one. Um, but we need that because that first stretch isn't really a grind. That's when you get into the grind of the season. Um, Clemson goes on the road two weeks in a row at Miami and then at NC State. Um, I, I'm going to need to be convinced that Miami is all the way back and a contender for anything in the ACC. Um, but I do think that their defense is going to be strong. They're going to be good in the trenches. So that's a game if you're kind of sleepwalking into that, Miami can hurt you um, in kind of a low-scoring, messy game. The week after that, Ben, you talked about it, up to Raleigh for at NC State. That could be a letdown for Miami, winning that game, a look-ahead game for Notre Dame, um, which is the following week at Death Valley. So look out for NC State. But really, the 
The second biggest matchup of the season, I think, is that Notre Dame matchup on November 4th. Probably be primetime. That one's on ABC already. Um, Yeah, the Irish looked really strong against Navy in Dublin. Navy ain't shit. Can't really look too much into that. Uh, But Notre Dame does return a good number of its uh, skill, talent, position players. And I think they're going to be solid this year. So Mm -hmm. um, that's going to be probably our second most important matchup after Florida State. It's an out-of-conference game for us, which is good doesn't count in the standings but definitely will count for a college football playoff jockeying um then we get georgia tech their rebuilding program not too worried there north carolina is the week before thanksgiving also at death valley they're currently ranked 21st in the country drake may may be awesome guys i don't see that ranking holding up for north carolina by the time we beat we meet them he may be in the running for heisman or he may be out of that entirely and you know they could be a a team we walk over um, they should have a high powered offense so i think that'll be a good warm-up for any kind of playoff seating or a rematch at florida state uh, but i'm not too worried about north carolina um, and then you could argue the last game of the regular season is the most important at south carolina we got to win that game oh we have to after oh, yeah. last year like we have to mm-hmm. and you know they're by 50 at least yeah we got we have to win it big um because last year was such a such a travesty, such a crime mm-hmm. that we lost that game, broke a ton of streaks. Um, we have to make a grease spot of them down at Williams Bryce. Oh yeah. Any no questions. So I think I think what we've landed on, Florida State critical. You know what's cool though, guys, this is the first year without divisions. So used to be if you lost to a team like Florida State, you would need them to lose twice to have any shot at winning your division and getting into the title game. Not so this year. It's basically best two based on records, and there's a bunch of tiebreaker stuff. But um, I think just the schedule sets up well. Our hardest opponents are going to be at home. Um, We get Florida State relatively early. They're going to be coming two weeks, I'm sorry, three weeks after they play LSU. And, you know, it's as good a time of the season I think we have to face them. Would I love for Cade and the offensive line to gel a bit more and sort out some of the defensive position battles on our team? Of course I would. But you know, they've got equal guys they're breaking in from the transfer portal with inexperience together. So um, I yeah, think that's I, good. Yeah. I'm not sold on them at all being the number eight team in the country. I obviously will find out against LSU. Um, but regardless, you know, even if they're, they haven't lived up to that building uh, billing by the fourth week in the season, I think that's going to be a, our first opportunity after that game to really know what Clemson's made of. I, I think the Duke game will tell us a little bit, Charleston Southern, FAU, um, if it does tell us anything, it's probably bad and that we're not as good as yeah. we thought we were. Um, but if we wipe the floor with both of them, well, good. That's what's mm-hmm. supposed to happen. So I think after that Florida State game, we're going to have a good sense, a better sense we do now about how the rest of the season is going to play out. But yeah, I mean, that at Syracuse game, the the week after Florida State, that could be a trap game. We all know how difficult Syracuse has been for us home and away. Um, Dino Babers, his last gasp at, at keeping the head coaching job there. And then the one that I mentioned, the game, um, the NC State game between Miami and Notre Dame, um, that'll be interesting to see how that stretch goes. Um, I'm with you, Tully. I'm not sold on Miami. Notre Dame, um, they're going to have a quarterback and an offense this year, which is going to be very unusual to see. The question for them is going to be how good their defense is. Um, But we got that one at home. Should be a prime time where we're ready to serve them revenge. And Cade finally gets his opportunity to – 
to to start that game um or at least come in at a more opportunity. Yeah, let's not time. let's not get him in and you know the yeah. shadow of his own goalpost. Yeah. Um <laughs> and then yeah, I think the rest of the the schedule sets up pretty well to end out the season. We have three straight home games before at South Carolina to finish the year. So I mean I when I look at the schedule I see you know my guess now without seeing the team two losses at most. I could also see us running the table easily. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We'll right know there. we'll we'll know a little bit more after the Duke game, and then after Florida State, we'll have a much better sense. And knock on yeah. wood, stay healthy. I mean, I think mm-hmm. if you're if you're trying to make like sort of a a pessimistic, bearish outlook on the season, outside of anything like massive injury happening to this team, I think it's maybe the O line doesn't gel. Um, you do face, you know, you can get outmatched against Florida State and Notre Dame. Um, yeah, it's the secondary suspect against some teams yeah, that throw the ball around. Exactly. And then or or do we just have are we like paper mache against the run? And then is it like Cade can't figure it out and the receiving, you know, gives us a little bit of what we've had the last two years. I'm not seeing that. I, I think honestly, of any of the bear cases, I think it's against this schedule. Maybe you do face some defenses that'll be strong up front and we, we can't contain that and it gives us problems with our high-powered offense. I think Florida State, Miami, and Notre Dame are going to have good defensive lines. Maybe South Carolina does too, I'm not sure. But that would be – I just don't see more than three losses on the schedule for this team. Three losses is also not not what anyone's looking to to see this team do. It's what how many games they lost last year. So, I mean, um, even the past two seasons with DJ at quarterback, we didn't have – three regular season losses did we no i guess we were four and three to start the season two years ago so last year the third loss was in the bowl game um i i again i think two losses at most um but also could very well go undefeated i think probably the most likely thing is there's a loss in there somewhere again could be that nc state game or it could be the notre dame game um yep yeah i think we take care of business against florida state based on the timing um and the game location matters. I think the question mm-hmm. is how do we feel about Florida state with a full season to come back and get revenge in an ACC title game. That's going to be interesting. I think if we have one loss and we beat, we can and maybe losses against either an unranked team or like to a non-conference Notre Dame who looks pretty good. One loss Clemson ACC champ who's beaten Florida state twice I think that's going to be a pretty good, pretty good for the resume to get into the playoff. Yeah, Easy. well, and considering everybody, like most teams are going to have one loss. There's going to be maybe one, maybe two at most undefeated teams at that point. You know, the SEC is, yeah, um, top dogs are going to beat each other up. Um, well, and this is where the the Clemson brand will be tested in that in that scenario. I think we were getting some benefit of the doubt making it in certain seasons past, like 2020. Um, I don't know who you'd put in over Clemson in that in that situation, but. Anyway, yeah, I mean, I think we will see Clemson stacked up there with like maybe like a one-loss Bama non-champion or like a the loser of the whoever whoever's out of the Big Ten East, whatever team isn't there, Penn mm-hmm. State or Ohio State or Michigan. Um, can we? Does Clemson have enough clout with one loss as a champ to get in over a non-champion from another conference that maybe has a good resume too? I still think we're hanging on to that thread of being given that respect. I think if Cade goes and balls out this year um, and the offense is looking really good and the defense is living up to their expectations, that one loss 
can be kind of swept under the rug, you know, depending, yeah. you know, depending on the circumstances during the regular season. I think once you get to two losses, you're obviously definitely out of there. Um, and then as far as the playoff is concerned, uh, I think we can certainly make the playoff. I would not expect us all again. Let's see how the season goes to make it out of the first round. Again, I think we're still a tier. We're, we're rung down on the ladder from the top tier, but you know what? You got to get back there and get experience. And even if that means getting beat by a really good team, whatever, you got to build your way back up to the top. And um, again, mm-hmm. I think this is a turn the page season, uh, new, new volume. Let's see it head in the right direction. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's like 15, not 16. Okay. Well, I mean, 15 was pretty damn amazing outside of a couple injuries keeping us from a 15-0 and 0 season, though. Mm-hmm. Um, in the national championship game. Anyway, I mean, I guess for you guys from a bullet expectation perspective, do you think this season's a success if Clemson doesn't win the ACC? Like, is there a world where the team looks really good, but – FSU just looks like the better program at this point. Is that a disappointment? Yes. I mean, we won it. Yeah, last I'd say year. so too. <laughs> yeah, we won it last the, year with um, a suboptimal team, second worst team in yeah. a decade, right? <laughs> um, yeah the um, the FSU Clemson thing is going to be storyline all season because it's like forty six, forty eight transfers versus like two over the last several seasons. So right. it's I contrasting think, styles uh, of philosophies of coaching and sure. roster management. Shelling and time for that is going to be tough. Yeah. Maybe by the time you get to the ACC championship game team, but let's not forget, like we were up like 38, 14 late in that game last year. That's. Yeah. It was kind of garbage time scoring on our part that like the early fourth quarter was a six point game, I think. So anyway, yeah, that was at Florida state too, but we, we, right should have won that one handily so yeah um but we'll see we'll see sunday 100 percent monday oh, sunday the lsu game yeah sunday sunday uh, florida right. state lsu yeah i mean I, in terms of what we should be rooting for and hoping for i hope florida state mops the floor mm-hmm. with lsu oh yeah i want i want that game hyped up i want us to get their best you know good for the conference good bad for the sec is good for us um let's let's do as much as we can to eliminate a potential playoff competitor um yeah i don't i think it's going to be pretty lackadaisical to start kind of getting all that talent together um i mean yeah i think guys just the ceiling though for me i don't i don't really know that like georgia's regrouping in a lot of regards the one that's most impactful i think is going to be their offensive coordinator and just staff. So Mike Bobo and Brandon Streeter are running the offense there. You still got Will Moss on the defensive side with Kirby. Um, This dude, Connor Beck is going to be their quarterback. Like, yeah, Georgia's got a cupcake schedule. They'll probably get into it. If they, if they have an unproven, untested sort of situation, and then they lose the SEC title game, I think Georgia will get in on brand alone, but there's kind of question marks around that. Um, and if they won't be tested or proven, you know, can Clemson come in and beat them? I, I definitely think so. Um, Michigan, like you can see the Big Ten, it's not going to cannibalize each other. But um, again, it, we're not that far removed from a world where the Big Ten, I mean, what does the Big Ten have like one college football playoff victory in the history outside of the first year in which Ohio State won two in a row to win the Natty? Since that game, they have one 
college football playoff victory as a conference. And that is OSU against Clemson in the COVID year. Okay. So Tin, tinfoil hat here, hot take. You tell me how you guys would classify this because you all are the ones that do it. Um, on September 23rd on college game day, prior to the game, it is announced that Florida state and Clemson are going to the big 10. Do you, you want to, what's your question? Under or what? Is that possible? Or no, I'm just saying, does that, how does that affect the game? Or is that your prediction? That's, or that's yeah, a prediction. That's what's going to happen. Okay. Yeah. The hot take. Um, Thank you for defining that. <laughs> Clarifying which one is this. Let one. me ask you, how do you think Clemson <laughs> fans are going to react to that news? Um, I think we're not going to give a shit. It'd be a pretty baller move to announce that while ESPN is doing college game day and you're going to, to the double bird to the ACC. I see. I'd rather we do that. I'd rather we do that against NC State. I don't know. No, yeah, you got to do it against versus Florida State because that's both schools. Like we're holding their hand, jumping, jumping off the. You know, we're going to the Mm -hmm. Big Ten style Fox, which I just absolutely hate Fox coverage of college football, but money talks. Yeah, no, I'm down. I mean, going back to your point, I know we're all over the place with this show. Thanks for sticking with us, everybody. I I would love to see Clemson join at the Big Ten. Um, I think it provides novelty in matchups. We're going to still face off against most of the SEC anyway with our schedule, without a conference, and with the playoff, which is going to be expanded. You will still see Southeastern matchups on the schedule. You're not going to see Georgia Tech, a bunch of these, these other schools. But if you have to leave the, the ACC anyway, I think going to the SEC... You're right, Ben. We had nothing to the SEC in the state of South Carolina. They already have a team. Same with the state of Florida. Their geographical footprint is already solid in those places. And I just think the Big Ten wants it more. They want to expand into our region more. So I just think it'd be it'd be cool and provide a lot of new stadiums for people to travel to. We're selfish out here on the West Coast. That would be four new matchups that Clemson would play in our time zone, which probably means we'd definitely see them every single season coming out West, uh, which would be a lot of fun for us. And I don't think this whole thing is going to last that long anyway, probably like eight years until you mm-hmm. reshuffle things. And then we're in a new Southeast division of the pro conference or the pro pro league anyway. Yeah. So, you know, enjoy the chaos while you can. Agreed. So Clemson's going to win the natty, right guys? It's only one way. That's our official and that's official prediction. In the future, absolutely. Yep. I don't know. I see a path this year. I do. Um, I have done this enough years now to where <laughs> uh, I know better than to say that until I can see this team on the field. You know, it was easy to predict 16. Um, it was easy to predict 17. Um, or sorry, 18. I always get confused because the, t- the title game is in the calendar year after. Yeah, just go with the season where they played yeah. most of the games. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, you're not wrong. Like, there are questions about Clemson. It's not obvious that we will be a top one to three, four team in the country. With that said, I just I look around and I'm like, the, the strengths of the powers that be, like, have turned over over the last year. And I I just don't. I don't know about Michigan, like sealing the deal and beating two, winning two games in a row at that top tier of the sport. Um, Ohio State, new quarterback, 
Um, Ryan Day is still their head coach last time I checked. Not a very strong in-game coach. So, you know, the and USC, like their defense looks pretty, pretty abysmal still. Um, so yeah, I mean, if you want to convince me, Penn's Penn State or Texas are gonna make that leap with those coaches the first time they're under the bright lights like that. Like, I'm not sure. We already beat Stark in a natty. Mm-hmm. So um again, I think what this what having Garrett Riley can do to Dabo as a coach, that's also something like he can now. He doesn't have to spend time in the headset. He doesn't have to spend time like, you know, mm-hmm. imagine what those coaches meetings were like all last season. Now what he can he do? He can program build. He can motivate his team. Mm-hmm. You know, I think this this is a turning of the page for Dabo. And I'm excited to see what he can do to affect the success of this team in season. Now that a lot of the other stuff's going to be sorted out. So anyway, I'm just excited. I'm, I'm so it's ready to spot the ball. Let's go. It sucks we're Monday. Can we stop? Can this be our last year on Monday? I had to like, take enough. Tuesday off of work. Dude, enough is enough. Like, you had to sit, we had to wait months and months, and then we had to go through week zero. Then we had to go through, like, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday games. Can't see our team play. There's no way it. in hell I'm waking up in the morning to go to work the day after the opening Clemson football game of the season. Yeah. And I know we're three hours earlier here, but still. <laughs> I'm no, not going to half-ass it. It's uncalled for. And like we're, we played Georgia tech last year and this year we're playing Duke. Like I would, I could see if we, if they made one of our like nice out of conference matchups that first game, like make it a real primetime thriller, but no, just, oh, like you know, Georgia? a shitty coastal team. <laughs> Not when you're the Monday game. That's the only spotlight the ACC Georgia. can get. Yeah. Um, any, any kind of parting sadness from you guys about not being in the Atlantic every year and facing off against those teams every season. I, I feel, like the new schedule format. I and feel like, like we're still, we don't play BC, but who cares? I feel like we're still playing uh-huh. the same schedule. So yeah, the yeah. only team we, we miss Louisville and BC from our historical Atlantic recurring schedule. Mm-hmm. And Louisville hasn't been around that long. BC really hasn't either 20 years, but um, I don't know. I liked going to Chestnut Hill, but whatever. I mean, they, they're pretty pretty bad at football these days. Put that leather yeah, I mean, maybe helmet we'll on the shelf. get them next year. No, we will probably get them next year. We'll, right. be in the, we'll be in the Big Ten. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be, that'd be crazy. Um, all right, guys. Any parting predictions, thoughts, prognostications? We're not going to pick MVPs of each side, are we? I think we're good. No. I think we've done enough damage. Um, yeah. <laughs> I... I'm going to be watching UNC versus South Carolina. I'm not making picks here, but I'm just letting the world know. Uh, LSU versus FSU, obviously, that's going to be uh, on Sunday. It's going to be an interesting game. I want to see TCU versus Colorado because they have like 58 transfers. Um, Utah versus Florida. Um, Utah's 15. Does it matter? Is it another one of those preseason things where like somehow, even though they're 15, they lose to an SEC team just because – um, Oregon State Probably. versus uh, San Jose State. It's uh, it's DJ season. That's also on Sunday. Um, I know San Jose State gave uh, uh, SoCal all they could handle for parts of that game. So, yeah. Uh, I might watch uh, Oklahoma versus Arkansas State because I miss Brent Venables. It's good that DJ's going to get an opportunity to play on Sunday. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Sorry, I love you, DJ. 
<laughs> like he listened to an hour and a half of this just to, <laughs> just to go wait wait a minute <laughs> oh sorry big dave well, there you go Oh, um yeah all those games jared good call i think washington boise state is going to be interesting UW is really hyped up boise state could be pesky no huskies yeah just gonna watch a lot of football this weekend i can't wait there's a lot of shitty games yep. i do not care just roll it mm-hmm. it's gonna be good my dad's in town stepmom like we're gonna watch football miami plays miami of ohio on friday night the battle <laughs> for miami that'll be interesting um Man, if if the U loses that game and they lose the right, Rick Ross has to move to Ohio. Yeah, to like (laughs) rural Ohio. That'd be great. All right. Well, uh, thank you everyone for tuning in. We are the Clemson Podcast. Ben, is this our ninth season? Um, uh, it's fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two, twenty-three. The ninth. It's our ninth season uh doing this so we really appreciate everyone who's been with us from the start or along the way really fun um we do it for y'all thank you for listening and tuning in we are going to be recording every single week of the season probably mix in some interviews as well so stay tuned for that you know where to find us anywhere you download and stream podcasts you can find us there um please leave reviews it is how people can track us down Please tell a friend. Word of mouth is a great way to, um, yeah, it's how we get discovered. Um, we are also, for some reason, on social media. So we're on X <laughs> and we are on uh, Facebook as well. Feel free to engage with us there. We will be, you know, in the mix this season as well. Um, thank you. And as always, go Tigers. Go Tigers.